Welcome to Failing Forward, a podcast where CARE staff members talk about what seemed like a good idea at the time, what went wrong, and what we can learn from it. Originally recorded in August of 2018, this set of reflections on lessons learned from responding to the Ebola epidemic feels really critical in the wake of COVID-19 and what are some of the actions we can take. A call to being willing to take calculated risks, acting with imperfect information, and centering the importance of the people who are most at risk and how we can support them are some of CARE's calls to action about what we have learned and how we can apply that to future epidemic response. We all know that there's more that we can learn from things that didn't work than from things that did, but it's so hard to talk about failure. It's scary to admit that we did something wrong and it didn't go the way we wanted it to do. But when we don't talk about failure, we miss the opportunity to learn from what we did and to get better the next time. So with that in mind, Reshma Khan and I are interviewing Andres from CARE UK, who's going to talk to us about Ebola and what worked and didn't work in that response and what we can learn from that moving forward. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're really excited to talk about failure. Can you explain who you are and what you do first? My role is executive director, but it's basically the programs and policy director, the, the operations side, if you want, and, and the, the program quality, policy, advocacy, etc. No? Can you tell us a little bit about the example you've chosen? Most recent examples for me, it's usually linked to management and management at distance and working from headquarters with country offices or partners. And there are a couple of examples there. A lot of those really have to do with communications and in emergencies, how do you react and how do you work with your teams? Being the default position that your immediate thoughts sometimes are your own headquarters and then maybe less about the country offices and, and distance. No? Both if the emergency happens in your own country here in the headquarters or, or, or there. No? Tell us a little bit about the context of the specific failure you have in mind. This was a very significant crisis, the Ebola crisis a few years ago, not not that it was in 13, 14, particularly in West Africa, and how from the perspective of a headquarters and, and having offices, country offices and partners, of course, in the in the affected countries. No, So that was the context. Big crisis, was a big emergency response. Arguably, the northern members and organizations were a bit slow in responding for a number of reasons, but the main one probably because this was a tot- totally different type of emergency. It wasn't the traditional or the, the more common natural disaster kind of thing, a earthquake, etc. It wasn't a conflict, violent conflict. So it was health-related, but of course it's much more than just health, poverty, etc. But the way the epidemic expanded and the way people get, got infected and, and, and the level of deaths, especially towards the beginning, of it, it was unprecedented. No, and, and people didn't know we were not prepared really in general as a sector, I would say. So what went wrong? A number of things. We know we need, especially in emergencies and, and, and humanitarian responses, risks need to be taken no? uh, in the best interest and in the end of the affected population, affected partners. But because, of course, you could see the levels of risks were really high. Like, example, no people losing their lives and losing their lives in ways that getting infected in ways that were not very visible. I think people became, organizations became very risk averse. They were really concerned about the impact at home. I'm talking about northern countries, for example, there were, for example, flight cancellations, companies that started stopped traveling there, people who have been there had, had troubles to come back to their countries or travel to other countries. So, so there was a lot about us and thinking, okay, how this may impact us. And then sometimes losing a bit the focus on, on actually those that are mostly affected are in those, living in those countries, no? in, in, in the West African countries, Sierra Leone, Liberia, Guinea. So that was another thing, it's putting yourself or ourselves too much into the line. Mm-hmm. And then start feeling and acting as if we were the ones at most risk when 
clearly we were not. Uh, and then the third one, I suppose, in organizations that had country offices there, et cetera, of course, they were starting to start to be travel bans and, and it was risky to visit and then very high risk to visit at, at some point. But maybe signs of solidarity and accompaniment and proving that we were there were not very clear all, all, most of the time. No? And the focus, again, is in your immediate staff. No? I do remember our teams demanding for more information. What's happening in Sierra Leone? What's going, what are we doing? But actually distracting maybe with all the right of our staff to, to know what was happening. The reality was that those mostly affected were not here in, in the UK, yeah. but overseas, over there. No? And a lot of energy was put maybe in informing and keeping people informed here where maybe more could have been done or should have been done over there. No? So how did you move past it? What did you do to correct that? A number of things. No? First, recognizing that that we were not prepared. That, that's an important thing. Uh, probably one of the biggest mistakes is that when we realize we were not prepared, we don't have the capacity, it's that ability to recognize that. And by recognizing that is when you can actually start correcting things. No? For example, if we were not experts on, on the health elements or on the treatment elements of the Ebola pandemic, definitely not even attempting to, because do harm possibilities or attempting to, on the contrary, to get in the, with the right partnerships and, and those who really know what they are doing and have the expertise, focusing on, on our strengths. For example, in that particular organization at the time, the strength was working with certain type of leadership you know, and, and community leadership and maybe maybe linked to faith and, and then uh, identify a role to play that play with our strengths you know, and ensure that we didn't duplicate or actually do harm, but, but making sure we added that value on the maybe a smaller area we could play a role. That is external in terms of dealing with the situation, but in terms of dealing with our own staff, I, I said we finally put together a team that was much more closely accompanying our country office and partners with much more regular communications, with updates both sides, but also being conscious and aware that the team there needed flexibility. So some of the policies needed to change. For example, we had very strict policies in terms of teams moving out to different areas. There were bans about people uh, living to certain affected areas in the country, but people had families there and, and they, they, they wanted to be there. They needed to be there. So we needed to understand that and correct that many people in, in the country offices didn't work from home and this idea of working in the office so the practice needed to, to of course be, be much more flexible to accommodate to, to the new needs and prioritizing visits when appropriate but also particularly from senior management because many times of course we don't want to be there just visiting for, for our own information or experience but but many times in situations like this, having the presence of senior management being taking a risk, yes, but an informed risk and, and, and demonstrating that you are there in solidarity, trying to understand and support is very important. No? So, so we may have been a bit slow as well to respond in that sense. What would you do differently if, you, if it all happened again? What would you do differently? I think as a sector in general, we although we claim we, we are interconnected, the big lesson learned there is, is to know much better you know, who works in the same areas, geographical areas, for example, and, and how different organizations complement each other. Big experience learning to work with uh, not just private sector contractors, but, but for example, different governments took the lead in that response. You know, the UK government took the lead in Sierra Leone, the US in Liberia, France in Guinea. So working with uh, in different structures in different ways, uh, being more more aware that well, and, and be more open to to take certain risks. And you need to take decisions with information in hand. Information will never be perfect, and and, and many times we did 
we were a bit resistant not to take certain decisions until until we said we thought we were we had the full information. But critical is definitely knowing who else is there, who what can you complement, and making sure that you are not duplicating. You know, and and it's amazing, but uh, it's there is always an element of uncertainty, of course, because in that particular crisis, there were many un- unknowns. You no, know? in my experience, at least one of the, the, the crises with most unknowns. But that doesn't mean that that will happen again, you know, in, in a different shape or form. It's interesting. You've mentioned being willing to take calculated risks a couple of times and being willing to make decisions when you don't have all the information. Since we know we'll never have all the information, how do you decide when you have enough? That's the judgment call, no? and, and that's why, in a way, this whole conversation is about failing. And we keep saying we need to be innovative, we need to be creative. But in order to be innovative and creative, we need to have certain licenses to fail. No, so in a way, I think the biggest fear in order to exactly to take those decisions is potential consequences. No, now it's even more difficult in this case because the potential consequences were actually life threatening. No? So in this case, the Ebola, because the way the the, the epidemic move and infections etc clearly this was an extreme situation now doesn't mean that will never happen again but i would say if in that extreme situation we were able to take certain decisions i would say more in more normally more regular situations we should learn to be less afraid of that mistake if you have tried as much as you can to get the information available and, and assess what you have in hand of course you, you can always double check you can discuss you can but, but there is a moment when you need to to know look we cannot keep delaying this decision we need to, to act how do you think about the consequences of making the decision versus the consequences of not making the decision or not taking the risk? Yeah, that's that's a very key. That's a good 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 point. Many times this this comes not just in that particular case, but all the time, no. And and happens a lot, especially in our relationship with our own back donors, no. When when back donors keep asking questions, many of them very relevant, of course, but keep coming back with more and more and more, and then you see how people directly affected and, and going through a crisis period, etc., keep waiting for us to be. So many times it's not fully in our hands. Many times it's because it's part of a wider system. But actually, exactly your statement is what, what is in now more days in our minds. No, it is in, in the end, for example, the humanitarian imperative is, is to save life for those directly affected by the crisis who cannot cope with, the, with that particular emergency. So not acting, it, it's a, it may be a, a much worse consideration, which in the end, I think, apply a lot, that principle applied quite a lot in the maybe second phase, if you want, of that Ebola epidemic. No? I remember constant conversations with, I remember the UK government, the, the military establishing those hospitals, etc. They may have lacked some of the good practice, if you want, but they needed to be operational, no? because another two days, another day meant a, a large number of more people losing their lives. No? So what is one action that you'd recommend to other care people based on this experience? It was your statement right on mine, but I fully agree. It's You will never have perfect information. Information evolves constantly. I don't think there's such a thing of, okay, now I'm fully ready because we're never fully ready. You know? And yes, of course, so the, the answer is we will need to take risks. Ideally, you will try to work as a team and, and ideally you will have in the team, either yourself or within the team, enough experience that can complement the information you receive and, and you will have other types of support, no? either local organizations, partners and, inf- and, and knowledge or government or, or private sector, so different actors. So definitely the, the key is not to work in isolation and pretend that you are on your own able to to take uh, that decision. Usually, in my experience, it's best when you have tried your best to triangulate that information and, and, and there is a point that you, you need to consider that second point you mentioned, if it's worse, if we continue to think rather than act.
That was fabulous. Thank you so much for sharing that example with us. Thanks for joining us for our first episode of Failing Forward. We're so excited to have you here. If you have an example that you want to share, feel free to reach out to Emily Janok or Reshma Khan to schedule an interview to talk about what worked, what didn't, and how we'll do it better the next time. Stay tuned for more episodes and happy listening.